Hello, everyone. Welcome to the conversations. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Henrietta? I'm still a bit flustered. I just came back from watching Black Panther, so I'm breathing. Well, we thought that this was an ideal time to record this podcast and make the subject of this podcast, how much do we love Black Panther? My answer is just Wakanda forever. (laughs) It It was so good. And the thing is, it was such an anticipated movie and obviously it being Black History Month and just being such an unprecedented film, you know, a lot has been said and written and social media was buzzing and it, it broke all sorts of records this weekend. But like, I was not prepared for the epicness. It was Well, I don't think major. any of us could have been prepared for that epicness as we hadn't seen it anything like that before, before in cinema history. And while there was great anticipation surrounding this film, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know anything about these Black Panther characters. I never read comic books. I never I never knew any of this history. Right. But again, for me, I, I was fully on board when I heard the, the, the premise of the film, right. of course. But to see something like that in its full glory was absolutely awe-inspiring and just insp- just inspiring. It was. And it was really interesting because if you look at how seminal a film like Coming to America is, it almost evoked those kinds of feelings. But obviously it was very different because I'm now watching this as an adult as opposed to a child. But it's really funny that that time gap of not having seen anything similar since. That was one of the things that struck me when the movie started. And it's interesting that you connected uh, those two dots because in many ways, yeah, Coming to America was like 20 or more years ago. Yeah. And we haven't seen anything remotely similar during that time. And now finally something that uh, reflected or showed such such blackness uh, finally came around and it's again. Not, and it's not Coming to America too. Well, let's break it all down. Let's break it all down. We asked the question, you know, why do we, why did we love Black Panther? Can we agree that this was, uh, I'll speak for myself. I felt that this was an ode to blackness. I think that there was so much about the black identity that was captured in this film that I, I felt that I was being almost individually spoken to. There were so many devices used to to speak about our history, to pe- speak about our present, to speak about how our, our past impacted or impacts our present. There was just so much that as a black person I understood without it being sort of spelled out. And um, I found that to be a really potent and a really powerful um, bit of this film. It was. It was so, so powerful. And I think that's one of the things that I was so, so taken by, because the film existing in and of itself is a moment, right? But the fact that it was so layered and complicated and like it really dealt with complex themes, right? It wasn't just about um, a lot of the things that are written about. It's a black director. It's all an all black cast. It was like, you look at the themes of abandonment, inner race conflict, colonialism, Uh, racism. uh, Fatherhood. Fatherhood, (laughs) the strong female presence. The fashion, 
the aesthetics, just the fact that everyone was so beautiful in their own way. Like, it was just literally a film of beauty. Like, it was breathtaking. Absolutely. And, you know, this sort of Afrofuturism, this, like, fl- black futurism the is techno- a part of... The technology the is a technology part of our... piece. Yes, is a incredible. part of our... Is, a, is a, an important part of our culture as well. And what was so powerful? Imagine, uh, Henrietta, that there are young people out there, young people of color out there right now, and seeing a film like this with all these superheroes, these are, you know, beyond capable people with extraordinary talents and powers, that must be so empowering. You have a young daughter. Don't you want her to see images of these amazing, particularly women, the strong women that were shown in this film? Absolutely. And, and, and to that point, I love that it's, it was a, it's a big budget movie, right? Yes, yes. So it still has a lot of the characteristics of that Hollywood blockbuster. It had the explosions, it had the fight scenes, it had like all, all of these entertainment features. That also made it the caliber of film yes. that is so rightfully um, there. But no, it was it was just incredible. And I actually, funny you say that, because I was just thinking, I can't wait till Grace is old enough to watch this. <laughs> it was really, really, really major. That's the thing. There are, there's just these little, these little bon mots and fantastic phrases and little dollop of information that's just sort of handed out to you, as I said, as a, as a black person all the way along. For example, I, I mentioned the fatherhood feature before. I thought that was an interesting commentary. At least that's how I saw it. You know, the father figure, say, historically in black families, at least in recent history in black family is often, certainly in my family, um, is an absent is an absent presence. Or let's just say an, an absent presence is a little too simplistic. Let's say it's a is a flawed character. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really that was highly illustrated of the importance of that that patriarch, but he was incredibly flawed by virtue of what he did with one son right. or rather the, with the, a cousin. The, right. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also thought it was really, really true to life. So I guess talking about personal experience, I'm first generation British. So I grew up in a very African household. My entire extended family are from Ghana, live in Ghana. And so just to hear and see the realism of the regional accents and Mm -hmm. those kind of dialect nuances of, you know, even like adding, oh, on the end of something or the regionality in the dress was like really, I mean, that scene when he, um, spoiler alert, um, that scene when he revisits his father and the dress that he's wearing was really powerful for me because I remember when like my dad and my uncles would all go to wakes or or, uh, ceremonial events in that really traditional kente heavy fabric one over the shoulder like it just was it just really it was memories it it captured memories that I hadn't thought of in a really long time that was an impression I took away from this film as well with how how everyone was outfitted in um, in the garb of their of their tribes and their community and so forth and it shows what an expressive place that we come from you know in with the the gold strewn uh, some of the one of the gold strewn tribe I was just like okay those are my people that's you know (laughs) oh my god it's your people that is literally how you dress every day that's me so I, there was just so much and as well it was very empowering for me though of course this is uh, based in a f- fictitious world but it was very empowering for me to uh, have a culture a black centric culture spoke about that was technologically advanced that was 
civilization was so sophisticated and so, so ahead of its time. And let's be honest, that those a fictitious culture, it's based in actual history in that we are the genesis of culture. Well, it also makes you think what would have happened if slavery, colonialization hadn't happened. It really does make you think, how fictitious is it? You know, is that almost like an alternative reality had those atrocious things never happened? Is that where, let's say, Africa would have been? It, It was really powerful. And I have to tell you, I kept thinking about that as well. It it did it did feel very alternative reality to me. Which is weird because obviously it was juxtaposed within this reality. So he talks about, you know, they talk about slavery and they talk about the parallels of what's happening within the black community outside of Wakanda. So it, it was tough to really kind of take it there. But that was definitely something that I just kept thinking when they were talking about just mining natural resources and that bad guy who's a claw who, you know, wanted to obviously try to take the goods and well, yeah, but I actually, that, that character, he was a very, very, very colourful cl- character. It also made me think, are we dealing with issues of mental health? He was fucking <laughs> scary. But there, that was, a, a, and I don't think that, should, that was the focus, but that was like a raw sort of example of, not colonializers, but essentially those colonizers who go to, to territories and just snatch up your, your resources and take it elsewhere. Like, he represented that, but I, I thought that he, there was another layer to, to his representation that I, I didn't fully 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 understand but I did think that he was just a, a raw representation of like the the the, the rough just uh, raw as uh, exactly yeah absolutely one of the real pleasures of the film was the aesthetics from the representation of Wakanda and how beautiful that that is right through to the fashions yes but also just the people. Can we can we actually talk about the people for a second? Because I, I mentioned it earlier. Everyone in that film was so beautiful in their own way. Like, literally, I was like, what is Hollywood's problem? Like, black people, more black people should be in films all the time. It was so visually stunning. The people, the casting was genius. But here's the thing, Henrietta. These, these are black people whose depiction are determined and decided on by other black people and black people understand black people and that depiction that depiction was stunning majestic wonderful you can't get over the beauty of these sub of these actors that we see on screen that shouldn't be so unusual but i think it's because it was a black director right. and a whole black experience that for them to be represented in, in, a, in a way like that was a responsibility that was delivered on and the diversity within the diversity you know, like so many different faces. Firstly, Angela Bassett. Beauteous at like 70 years old. An actual queen playing a queen. Like she's Absolutely. not aged a day. That was really like a moment of beauty. Mm-hmm. What else? Oh, Michael B. Jordan. Oh my God, <laughs> I can't even. I actually, I saw him last week at the Calvin Klein show. Literally was like a few feet away from me. Well, it was damaging. He's... It was like looking at the sun. He's so beautiful. He's definitely a beauty, but I gotta tell you, let's talk about his character, Killmonger. I thought he was really a powerful and a very important character in that he represented, in many ways, the consequences of being black in 
in modern day culture. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really real part. I think, you know, some people will have issues with him essentially uh, going back and finding the T'Challa character and like this sort of black on black thing. I, I actually have heard some tremors about that, um, about the conversation, but that I think that's missing the, that's missing the point. It's- I think he was just a really, he actually was one of the more complicated characters because obviously there is a whole identity thing there, the idea of abandonment, Okay. The idea of being an African American. Exactly. <laughs> and culturally, what that means and the consequences of that. There was obviously the just the craziness that he's seen, right? Just in terms of crime and poverty and all of the other things that weren't necessarily explored within. I mean, it kind of was, but it was very much like a them versus us where he was kind of, was he a kind of charlatan Robert, Robin Hood? Was he the evil monster that like, like it was very complicated yes. because he was really wounded and really flawed, but you can see how he was a product of his environment and a, and a product of circumstance. But I have to tell you, and in that, it made me really ask the same questions that he did if this flourishing African culture was here and hidden and had all of these resources, the, this like, you know, planet changing resource, resources, and you didn't help the, the, the greater population, those who were, you know, in peril across the planet, you know, your brothers and sisters who were being oppressed and so on and so forth. I really was thinking about that. I was like, well, if that nation did not help its people across the, the, the diaspora, as, as we would call it, that could determine vin- villainous ways. Right. I mean, it's not an it's not an unfamiliar conversation, right? Because it's still there's still that intercommunity fight of the haves and the have nots, and the haves like, why aren't Good you point. doing more? Like, if Good you look point. at magnificent stars who have really made it, the Oprahs. I mean, Oprahs may be a bit of an anomaly because she her whole career has been predicated on giving. But if you look at the Jay Zs and even the Kanyes and LeBron James, so many massive almost billion dollar stars mm-hmm. one criticism from the black community is always why aren't you doing more it's almost like you could and I, I think I read a Jay-Z interview when he was like at my height of fame I could never do enough you know like I was reading um someone put on insta stories it was Rihanna's birthday yesterday and someone put on insta stories uh, their favorite Rihanna clapbacks and one of them was she was talking about a pair of Prada shoes that she got or something and then someone commented saying Uh, Something like, you know, people are dying out here in these streets and you're unwrapping expensive Prada shoes, blah, blah, blah. And literally Rihanna was like, bitch, sit down. No one's talking about the $100,000 I personally gave to the Philippines and all the checks. And we all know that Rihanna's the head of many good causes. And it it just goes to show that people will never see it or it gets misinterpreted or misconstrued or people don't think you're really doing it or you could never do enough or like, why aren't you giving... It's an endless back and forth of between the haves and the have-nots. And so it's, to me, it wasn't an unfamiliar conversation, but I appreciated that it was addressed within the context of the film. Yes, I know. I, I like that sort of device very much. I think it was an interesting parallel between, as you said, that, that alternative reality. I, I like that idea of the alternative reality and what an Africa could potentially have looked like had it not been um, colonized and raped and pillaged. Right. Um, <laughs> right. On that note. No. Um, and his anger was so real. Like, it was just his anger. I don't know. There was something really visceral and, and really interesting about it because he wasn't a traditional villain like in no, a way that no, you couldn't no. 
almost like when they were having that fight scene right at the end, you were almost like, oh, I kind of am not sure who I want to win. Precisely. Because on one hand, you do want everyone else to prosper in the fight and have the tools to advocate for themselves. But then on the other hand, you're like, ah, oh, but it's so done through such an a mean lens and he's so angry and uh so it was it was really interesting actually that fight scene and i must say you did not need michael b jordan's character to feel that to have the feeling of resistance i think the film itself was a was a resistance in and of itself and that's what i thought was so powerful the michael that scene and and what he represented powerful loved it but i just thought the film itself was signified resistance and it was not filtered through any eurocentric lens Mm. and that's another feature that i really appreciated about it but one other thing that i wanted to speak about henrietta is that and this touches on on issues for example with our uh podcast with keepway one of the things that i've come to learn about the production of this film is that there is a very important uh executive who's behind it that being nate moore and he's an executive at marvel and has been so for a number of years a black guy who's really like a one of the high positioned uh executive and he essentially has spearheaded this this film for a number of years and i feel that that is so important to say because it's because i would venture to say and i would think that maybe the cast and whoever was involved in this film would probably say so as well and that without him championing such an effort Mm -hmm. this probably would never have been made so in fact we need definitely more black panther films but we also need more nade moores right and i I thought yeah, that was really. I thought true. that was really interesting. We spoke about yeah. the issues in fashion on on our recent right. podcast but with Hibway. Exactly. Yeah. Like who is it? It really ultimately comes down to decision makers in the boardrooms, in those offices, in those places that matter. That can ultimately help to really move the needle on culture when it comes, like in a big way, when it comes to these kind of things. And I think we've just seen it in in film in this film. That's so true. And that's actually a really good point. I mean, I think there was also an element of the stars were slightly aligned here because I think that with everything that is happening in... Everything that's happening culturally, I think, has culminated to this point because I think that the absence of a film like this is so palpable that it's almost like the the time was ripe, just the actors. You know, but you know what? This could not have been forecasted. Like, the, it's it's oh, actually, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. actually it's funny fun, yeah. that we're living in this, but we're in a culture where race is so topical currently. And this film, I think, was greenlit in like 2012 or 13 or something to, uh, like that. And so the, it could not have been forecasted that irony, we were in though, this climate. The irony of the film being greenlit in an Obama America and being released in a Trump's America. <laughs> you just can't make it up. But yeah, no, I think those are really, really good points to note for sure. Oh my gosh. Now, um, anything else that you want to mention about the film, uh, Harry the A couple things. The fashion was really, really interesting because it wasn't quite what I was expecting. Like it was really just so wonderful and so layered, just everything from the custom dress, the regionality within that the modernity in some of the looks. A lot of Lupita Nyong'o's looks were just so of the moment. And then the princess who had like a really interesting journey. There was like a couple points in her lab where it was like Afrofuturism. It felt very um, 
like fashion progressive do you know what I mean like really interesting like almost like Yoji sportswear kind of so it's a wonder it's actually a wonder you highlighting the fashions in this film that we do not have uh, a well-known fashion label that represents anything remotely close to all of this Afrocentric I think that we've seen it, but again, it goes into I think. The well, I'm sorry. Of, do, do you have an example of a brand that represents that in a, in a to a large extent and not just in Africa? Uh, that represents the like an Afrocentric black sort of um, black perspective in clothing, and it has been leveled around the globe. I can't think of anyone on the main stage. I mean, obviously there are there are designers like I mean, there's Trevor Sturman and these kind of people, but not yeah, to the, like not the Mackie O or. or no, no, no. We're not talking about that, those kind of... Um, we're talking about a greater impact. We're talking about seeing visuals like we see in this film, at least of this time, where are we seeing anything remotely close to that sort of stuff, unless we're speaking about the regional the regional representation um, of that. I mean, outside of appropriation, I have no idea. <laughs> that, wasn't even, that was like an honest answer. I just think about, you know... Yeah appropriation but I don't know I thought that the fashion was a really interesting point because it like I said earlier it really evoked memories which I don't know if obviously that would do that for everyone but there was a personal element to the costume in the movie for me but then there was also just some really dope looks I agree yeah it was just so well cast it was really just it was so and um Chadwick Bozeman. It was great. Yes, Chadwick Bozeman. Actually, Black Panther. So beautiful. Like, literally, that fight scene at the end, I was like, are you trying to kill me? (laughs) (laughs) Or the penultimate fight scene, shall I say. That's the penultimate fight scene, yes. Yeah, that that was a pretty big deal. But no, it was just a really, really powerful film. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my black dollars and I'm gonna see it again and then maybe another time and then maybe a fourth time and... I don't know, I'm going to like find some places to buy the DVD. I don't know where that happens anymore. Well, I I'm going to download it. I'm going to buy it on iTunes. I definitely intend to see it again. Take everyone, go see it again. It's so major. We didn't even, I feel like we didn't even really cover a lot of the other things that had happened. No, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. And I think that I'm going to keep marinating on it. Yes. Watch it again. And then there's going to be a whole load of other things I'm sure will come out maybe in another podcast. But It was great. It was perfect. And we'll see you next time.